I want to invite you to Matthew chapter 14 today because I believe it's important this morning that we're reminded of the importance of our faith during times like this. And you know, if you've uh, if you've been watching the news much, if you've seen over the last few weeks, we've seen an irrational response to all that's going on. And, but whether your response, your fear is rational or irrational, it still feels real. And so I want to just encourage you because I, I believe that Matthew 14 speaks at a moment of great trial for the, the, uh, in the lives of the disciples. And it was a time where, where great fear was upon them. But even in the midst of this fear, we see, well, God can do a miraculous thing. And God did a, a, just a tremendous thing. And, and, you know, honestly, as I've watched the news, and maybe, maybe I don't know what your news source is, whether you're a Fox News person, if you're a Facebook news person, you know, I, I think it's all kind of in the same ball, ballpark. You've got you to sift through it and discern what's right and what's wrong. You know, and as you go through these different things, I'm reminded that, that there's some things that have amazed me some things that have amused me and some things that have disappointed me. And I believe as a Christian that we've got an opportunity now to be a greater witness in our community than ever before. And we have an opportunity today to act by faith and not by fear. And so I want to just, uh, just point you to this truth that faith conquers fear. You know, and fear and faith can't coincide together. They can't live side by side. One outdoes the other. And so let me ask you, are you fearful this morning? Because if you're fearful, then faith is not there. Just prior to our text in Matthew 14, we're going to pick up the, the narrative in verse 22 in just a moment. We see where Jesus Christ and the disciples had been ministering to the multitudes. And, and literally thousands had been gathered together. In this day and age, that would be a breach of the mandate. <laughs> Just kidding. But they had gathered together, and they had been seeing Jesus heal, and they had been seeing Jesus perform miracles, and boy, it had been a, a miraculous thing, all that God had done, and, and they had just been so enthralled. And matter of fact, they had just, they, they, and after they finished their time together, and the Bible says it was come toward the evening, and in the evening time, Christ said, feed them. And the disciples looked at Jesus. They felt in their pockets and they said, with what? And, and we see that the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 where God took five loaves and two fishes and he, he literally fed over 5,000 men plus women and children. And it is a miracle that God performed. And it was a tremendous day. And yet in the same context, we find verse 22. And I want to pick up the narrative right there if you'll join me in verse 22. And it says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples to get into a ship and to go before Him and to the other side, and when He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart to, to pray. And when the evening was come, He was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea." And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. I think that's the message our world needs today. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, thou, if, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous and he was, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? 
And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. And the church said, Amen. Let us, let us pray. Father, again, we come to you, thanking you for the reading of the Scripture. May it bring comfort and peace and faith to our hearts today. As we see the response of Christ and the disciples, may we also choose, Lord, to walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for what you've done in this day. And Lord, we just give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at the text this morning, there's a couple of things I just want to point out for us today because I, I, I think that we desire, genuinely desire, to, for our faith to conquer our fear. But we watch the news and we look at uh, items that are going on in Facebook or, or other social media and we see all this stuff that's going on, repeated and repeated, and the fear tends to grow. And then I, heard, uh, I read on the news uh, this morning that Mercy's closes doors to visitors, one visitor per, per person. That's all that can go in. You've got to be 18 or older. And then you see Walmart. Walmart, of all places, closed its doors from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. You know something serious is happening when that happens, amen? And so we see this reaction and we think, how, Lord, should we react? And so hot on the heels of this tremendous faith-building experience where they saw Christ feed the feeding of the 5,000, they went through a time of great storm. Maybe we're in a time of great storm. Maybe we're in a moment in our nation's history where this is a great storm. Matter of fact, I looked up to see last time they closed schools because of some sort of uh, an epidemic or pandemic. And the last time I could see was in 1946. It was like May of 1946. They closed the door due to polio. And this was in San Francisco. And I, don't, I couldn't see how far spread it was. I, obviously, my memory doesn't go back that far. But I was curious, had this happened before? And I don't know how... how anybody remember 1946? Okay. <laughs> Anybody remember newsreels from 1946? I didn't think so. Brother Dennis. You know, I'm thankful that, that this is not something that happens all the time. And, you know, I, I just want to remind you that I ask you to be patient with us as we discern God's will going forward because we're treading on new water. I couldn't go to Pastor Tolbert and say, what did you do when this happened? Because it's never happened before. None of us can remember anything like this happening, but this is what we know. God didn't change. This is what we know. We still serve the same God, and I want to encourage you to have faith to pursue Him through all that's going on, because as we see that even through the midst of this storm, we see that, there, that uh, we can pursue Christ. I want you to first off see verse number 22. As we look at our text, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained His disciples. So after they had fed the 5,000, we see that they come to the end of this time, and straightway, almost immediately afterwards, Christ said, All right, now it's time to go. Listen, it's been a full day of ministry, and it's time, it's time for us to move on. He said, he said, these people, actually, if you look in the book of John, you see what was really happening a little bit more in the narrative here, because what happened was these people were trying to make Him king. Listen, Christ is not king because we elected him so. Christ is king because he's the king of kings. Amen? And so he said, listen, it's time for us to go. And see, he said, get into a ship. And he says, you go across, I'll meet you on the other side. Now, if you're like me, you know, you want to be around when things are happening. When God's at work, you want to be at church. When, when things are happening, you want to be near it. And man, it's exciting when God is working, isn't it? And boy, this is what's happened. This whole day had been a, a day of great excitement. They'd just seen people healed. They had seen uh, God do the miraculous. They had seen people fed. They had seen people calling on Jesus to be the king. And they're thinking, this is what we wanted. This is what we were looking for. Jesus is the Messiah. 
And instead of accepting that role, Christ says, it's time to get in a boat, but I'll meet you on the other side. Because Christ had a purpose. Christ had a, a reason for all that He was doing and everything that He was going through. In verse 22, it says, And while He, uh, he sent the multitudes away, in, in verse 23, And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up into a mountain apart. What does it say? To what? To pray. You see, we have this insight in Christ's life. You see, Christ knew that at this very moment, when, when, when uh, the disciples were about to enter a time of great testing and, tr and trial, that the one thing that they needed was prayer. You know what we need today? Prayer. We need to passionately pursue Christ in this moment because we know that, that this is who we need more than anything else. But it starts with a passionate uh, pursuit personally. Get those three, three, three Ps straight. Again, I don't think I could do it. But if we look at all that's going on in the ministry, Christ wanted to spend time with the Father. But this isn't the first time that this happened. As a matter of fact, if you look in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 35, we see that even in Christ's life previously, that in the beginning of His ministry, that when things got busy and things were, were, seemed to be going, uh, just, just blowing and going as the term goes, we see that Christ took time apart to pray. In verse 35, it says, In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus knew the value of a personal relationship with the Father. Do we? Have we been praying all along? I think of uh, the value of prayer. And there have been some tremendous, uh, tremendous prayer warriors throughout the world and throughout uh, time. But I want to look at a couple of them from the Bible. Because first off, I want you to see that Paul states the essential elements of prayer in Ephesians 6, 18. Because praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. And this is a vital aspect of our Christian walk is prayer. Matter of fact, he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, he says pray without ceasing. Then later he says, brethren, pray for us. Prayer is essential. It's a vital part of who we are as believers. We are, we are called to pray, not just at times of, of great stress, but at all times. And throughout the Bible, we've seen God use men and women of prayer in tremendous ways. And I want to point out two of them to you this morning because I want to challenge you to, to take this time. You know, we don't know what the next two weeks, three weeks, I was talking to our missionaries that, have, that are going through this, have been through the bulk of it this week, trying to get an idea of what we may experience here in America. And as I talked to them, they said, listen, it's not, the irrational fear is going to get worse before it gets better. And what he says, and what we experienced, he said, was that, that many of our people, I mean, one missionary told me that they, their people were so fearful, they began to throw guests out of the church. Ooh, may that never be said here of Hillside. But listen, irrational fear still feels weird. And so what do we do? We, we must pray. Daniel was a tremendous man of prayer. If we look at the life of Daniel, he worked and lived in a pagan society. He was a captive, if you will. And, and though he worked uh, for Nebuchadnezzar, we see that his, his life, God had blessed it in a tremendous way and a great influence in that kingdom, but it was still a kingdom that was pagan. But he prayed. He prayed three times a day, is what the Bible says, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And we see this consistently through his life. Even when Nebuchadnezzar said, no one can pray to anybody but me, Daniel still prayed. Are we willing to have that kind of faith? 
Are we willing to walk by faith and not by sight? Are we willing to say, Lord, there's nothing that's going to get in the way of my, my personal relationship with you? This is absolutely essential. The amazing thing is that God used prayer in Daniel's life before he was in the lion's den, while he was in the lion's den, and on the other side. May we use prayer as well. But also there was a king named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. It was essential in his life as well. I want you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 20 with me. And I want you to see his prayer. Because his prayer is a beautiful picture uh, of the, the faith that Jehoshaphat had during this time. And as, he, uh, as the, the children of Israel were surrounded by both the Ammonites and the Moabites, the, the land was, was under attack from all directions. And yet, during that time, Jehoshaphat called for people to pray. He said, we must pursue God during this time above everything else. And so, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, verses 6 through 12, we're going to read this together. And it says, And said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none shall is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, listen, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house. Amen? And cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned, them, uh, turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit it. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. What a powerful prayer. What a prayer that today is applicable. Amen. Listen, our eyes are upon you, Lord, and upon you alone. Listen, this is a beautiful prayer that God has reminded us that through every trial that God is faithful. You want to know how God responded? Look in verse 15. And this is God's response. And He said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not, what is the word, church? Afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Church, the battle is not yours. We may face attack from every side, and this is something that's new for us, but let me just say that it's not new to God. We serve the same God today that we did yesterday. We serve the same God today that we did in 1971 when Hillside began. We serve the same God in 71 as we did in 2000 or whatever. I'm just telling you, we serve a mighty God. This morning, let your faith challenge you to pursue Him personally. Through all that we're going through, through all that we see, pursue Christ. When you feel that your fear is rearing its ugly head, choose to respond by faith, by trusting in God. You know, one of the greatest things that we can do 
is, is when, when we're fearful, is just to pursue God completely. And what I mean by this, and I want you to look in the, the rest of the narrative in our, in our text today, because as we see this, Jesus Christ pursued the Father, but, but then there was also Peter. Peter, who was in the boat with the other disciples. Peter, who, who knew what it, had experienced everything else. And when he saw Christ walk on the water, he said, Lord, it, it not if you're able to, sometimes that's how we interpret this, this, but the intention of the text is, if you're willing, let me come and meet you. If you're willing to allow me just to be in your presence, and let me tell you that God is always willing for you to come and be in this presence. He wants you to be with Him. He wants you to pursue Him. He wants you to know Him. And during this time of, of uncertainty, we can know Him because He wants to know us. James says in, uh, the, that when we draw nigh unto Him, He will draw nigh unto us. But I love what, what was going on here in verse number 23. Uh, and, excuse me, in 22 it says, And Jesus straightway constrained His disciples to get into a ship. Now if you look at the word constrained, it's a word that we don't always use a lot, but it means to compel, to drive to, or even force to do something. The disciples were so excited about being with Jesus that day. They literally, they had spent the whole day with Him and they had known the excitement of being around Christ. And so, and so they, they, they didn't want that to stop. And so Christ had to tell them, Look, you need to get out of the boat or get into the boat and, and I'll be with you shortly. You have to get into this boat. I'm commanding you. I'm compelling you. I'm constraining you. And so as we look at that, we see that Christ says, listen, we need to pursue His will for our life. God's will for the church is to continue to take the gospel forward. Now, I'll be honest. We don't know exactly what that may look like. But we want to be creative. We want to be able to come up with ways that we can keep people safe and at the same time be able to continue to carry the gospel forward in a time like this. That just because circumstances change doesn't mean that we have to stop. We are commanded to stop going. And so, church, I want to encourage you, man, be a part of, of what uh, some of the things that we'll share with you and some of the ideas that are coming out because we want to make sure that the gospel continue is able, to, is able to continue going forward. And so we see that God calls us to continue to follow His will. But as we look down through the narrative, we see some other things as well. In this text, we see that Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer at His eye as He was walking on the water. He said, Be not afraid. In verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. I love the apostle Peter. And he's so, he's so unique. Out of all the other 11 disciples, he is just, he's like that, the, I don't know, he just stands up in my mind. Some of you, my personality is nothing like what I envisioned Peter's to be. But this is what I see in Peter's life, is a man of great faith. Just, just at this moment, you know, he's, he's just going to walk forward. Lord, if, if, you're, if you're willing, I want to be with you. In this time when, when we face storms, if we could get our eyes off of the storm and get our eyes upon Jesus Christ, we don't have to worry. Get your eyes off of the worry. Get your eye off of the fear and get your eyes upon the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. Now, I'm not saying be stupid, but I am telling you that what you need to do is make sure that in our lives that we're willing to say, God, I want to act responsibly and respond by faith and not by fear. I want my, my neighbors to see that I have great faith in the Almighty Creator and that He is still able today. In verse 24 and 5, we see that the, the ship was tossed in the sea. In verse number 25, we see that this was the fourth watch. Now, if you, if you understand the times of the Bible, this is from about 3 a.m. until sunrise. 
And so it's, they had spent, remember, the previous day ministering all day. If you've ever been in ministry of an all-day type, you know that that's exhausting. And then they get into a boat and they start rowing and the wind comes up very suddenly as it does there on that sea very frequently. And as, as, that, as that sea came up and, or the wind came up in the Sea of Galilee, they were trying to go to the other side and it can, it can come up so quickly there. And, and then uh, they get stuck in the middle of the sea rowing and trying to get the boat to the other side. And, and every time they row, they just get pushed further and tossed around. And for hours, they're fighting all that's going on. They're exhausted. And it's at this wee hours of the morning, when their strength has almost left them, that we find that God comes to the rescue. I'm so thankful that when our, our strength is gone, I'm so thankful that when we feel like all hope is lost, that He comes to the rescue. That as a church, we may feel at times exhausted or stressed. We may feel that there are times where we're fearful. Just hang on. Joy comes in the morning. I'm thankful oftentimes as I pray, I just say, Lord, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. I'm thankful that every day that I can call upon you and know that you are there. This is the God that we serve today. Luke chapter 18 and verse number 1. I want to remind you that God calls us to this. He says, and he spake a parable unto this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't give up. As 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. You know, this is the kind of faith that says, Lord, if you're willing, I want to come and be with you on the water. I don't want to stay in the boat. I just want to follow you wherever it may be. And I appreciate the, the, the prophecy series, as, uh, and, and I can't get my mind off of that picture of that puppy sitting outside the doctor's door. You remember those? And I remember that truth that no matter what may be here, I just want to be, or what's on the other side of that door, I just want to be with my Savior. I want to be close to Him. Everything else will be okay when I draw near to Him. But I also see there's another truth in this, in this uh, passage that we need to cling to. And that's not just faith to pursue, but faith to praise. You see, because we need to praise Him in the storm. Listen, the emphasis is on Him. In Matthew 14, it says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped Him, saying, Of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. Of a truth, You are God. You are King of kings. And after they saw God work mightily, and may I remind you that the God that has taken care of us all these years is the same God that we can trust going forward. And when they saw Christ perform this miracle, they knew it was time to worship. And may we right now choose to worship God as a church. May we choose to worship God for who He is and what He's done and the, and the glories of what He is. I'm going to remind you of some of the truths today because, uh, because I think it's important that we're reminded who He is. First off, let me point, him, point you to Colossians 3.16. I'm thankful that we had opportunities to praise. A mighty fortress is our God. The, the solid rock. Uh, on Christ I will stand, the solid rock. What great lyrics. What great reminders this morning. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let's continue to sing today. Let's continue to lift up our voices. And church, let me just, let me just remind you that the Bible doesn't say to lift up a beautiful noise. Amen? Just let her, let her rip, tater chip. 
Let it out. Let God hear your praise. Now, he can hear it whether it's quiet or loud, but I want to encourage you, let it out. In this times of, of uncertainty, it will bless your soul to sing the mighty words of God and the praises of Him. Let's look at who He is. First off, He is holy. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 3, we see as Isaiah was there in the throne room of God and, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Here we also see is, He is omnipresence. This is important for us right now. He's everywhere at the same time. If we have a need here or if they have a need in China, we can rest assured that He still hears us. Amen? He is still there. Proverbs 15 and verse number 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the good and the evil. Everywhere. We cannot escape Him. Amen? But all, we also see is His omnipotence. He's able to do anything. He is able, He is able, I know He is able. May we be willing to sing those songs of praise to Him. Jeremiah 32, 17, Ah, Lord God, behold, Thou hast made the heaven and the earth by Thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for Thee. Amen. Remind yourself that He is omniscient. He, knew, he knows about coronavirus and He knows about the next one. He knows about the, what, when uh, anything and everything we could ever imagine. He knows the beginning from the end. He is omniscient. In Hebrews 4.13, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of Him with whom we have to do. He knows it all. We see He is immutable. He never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6 reminds us, For I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. We see this powerful truth repeated in the New Testament in Hebrews 13. What a great reminder that God never changes. He is sovereign over all. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and, the, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. What an incredible God we serve because let me remind you, He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. He sees the end from the beginning. In Psalms chapter 90 and verse 2, it says, Behold, the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's the God we serve today, and there's so much more. We could spend hours talking about who God is, but I just want to remind you briefly as we go through trial that we serve a God we can trust today. We serve a God that is able this morning because we can praise Him in the storm, but we also should praise Him for the storm. Praise Him for the storm. We don't often want to do this, do we? It's harder to praise Him for the storm. What do I mean? This is what the Apostle Paul says in the church in Thessalonica. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything, give thanks. In everything. Did you see that, church? Everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. This is great advice, but it's hard to follow. It's easy to read and easy to repeat, but man, it's hard to follow. And, you know, even uh, it doesn't matter if it's the storm of what we're facing as a nation or as a community. It could be a different storm in your life, a financial or health or, or whatever issue. I want to encourage you to obey this scripture and praise Him for everything. I want to I just illustrate this with one last story this morning. 
Corey and Betsy Ten Boon were, were very courageous and compassionate Dutch Christians. They helped harbor Jews from uh, the Nazis in Holland during World War II. And after the sisters were arrested for doing so, they were imprisoned at Ravensbrück, German uh, concentration camps. And in their, in their barracks, they were shown to a series of massive square platforms. I kind of found this picture and kind of wanted to show it to you, uh, just, just so you could kind of get a picture of the squalor that they lived in. These were stacked three levels high and they were placed so close together that people had to walk single file to pass between them. There was rancid straw was scattered over the platforms which served as the communal beds for all of these hundreds of women. And Corey and Betsy found themselves uh, in this place. They couldn't even sit upright in their own uh, bunk. They, they laid back and struggled against nausea from the, the smell of the straw and the stench of all of those bodies crammed into such a small space. You think we have it bad, amen? Corey, uh, is in, in this moment, as they were huddled up in their bed, Corey, uh, she sat up very quickly and she felt something on her, on her leg and it, something was biting her and she said, there's fleas in here. Fleas are biting me all over the place. And, they, you know, they, and she said, Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Her sister Betsy began to pray, Lord, show us how. Show us how. And she finally thought about it. She said, she said Bets, uh, Corey, she said, God has already given us the answer. And she turned, uh, she said, get, get your Bible. The Lord had, had done a tremendous work allowing them to keep their Bible. And, and, as, and she said, get your Bible and open up to what we read this morning, which was 1 Thessalonians 5.18. She said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Betsy interrupted, that's it. He says, that's his answer. Give thanks in these circumstances. That's what we can do. And we can start right now thanking God for every single thing about these barracks. Corey stared at her sister just incredulously. Could you imagine? You probably think she'd gone out of her mind. I think I would have. But Corey said, what are you thinking? What, are you, what could we possibly thank God for? She said, let's thank God for allowing us to be assigned here together. She says, okay, Lord, we can thank you for that. She says, you can thank God for the Bible we got smuggled in. She says, yes, Lord, we thank you for that. And she went a little bit further on and a little bit further on. And she said, thank you for the jammed, cracked, stuffed uh, crowd. She said, when we share and read the Bible, they can't get away. And she said, and Lord, thank you for the fleas. Corey said, that's enough. She said, I can't thank God for the fleas. I'll thank God for everything else, yeah, fine, but I can't thank God for the fleas. Later, and they had spent quite a bit of time here, and this is actually where Betsy finally uh, breathed her last, was in this concentration camp. But as she was in the, the sick ward, Corey was by her side, and I think they were actually through the window, and Bet, uh, Corey, excuse me, Betsy mentioned, I finally know why God gave us the fleas. I finally understand how we can thank God for the fleas. And Corey said, how? She says, because, because of the fleas, we could have our Bible studies. 
Because of the fleas, the guards wouldn't come in and harass us. Because of the fleas, they would stay out and we could be inside and we could share the hope of the gospel. Listen, and we think about all of these things, we can finally thank God for the, the most dire of circumstances. Take a roll from Corey and Betsy's book and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to thank you for this yet, but I know we can. Church, let us thank God. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him and let's praise Him for the storm. The reality is that Satan is doing his very best to bring destruction and harm to the body of Christ today. He wants to, to destroy what, what God is doing. He wants to disrupt and he wants to discourage. Let's keep our eyes on him. Let's realize that in the midst of the storm, he is still God. No matter what the storm may be in your life, you may not be worried in the least about the coronavirus you may not be worried in the least about some of these other things, but there are storms that we will face in life. And when we go through these, let me remind you just to keep your eyes upon Jesus Christ because there is no one greater than Him. I want to point you to a couple last scriptures here in, the, in, in this morning. Colossians, if you'll turn there with me in chapter 1. The Apostle Paul teaches us that the greatest hope that we have is that of heaven. I'm thankful for heaven because Jesus is there. I'm thankful that we can be there with our Lord and Savior. I'm thankful for the, the hope of eternity. And this is what he says in verses 3 through 5. He says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before the word of truth of the gospel. I want you to see that without Christ there is no hope. When Christ was here, He stated this. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. This world is looking for hope today. Guess what? We have it. Let me remind you that you hold in your hands this morning the hope that this world needs. And far greater than a cure for coronavirus, we have the cure for sin. Because you see that the, the problem of sin is far greater than anything else. Because the problem with sin is it's eternal. And if people don't get the cure for sin, which is Jesus Christ, their, their estate is hell. And it's not temporary, it's eternal. Church, may we take this opportunity and say, Lord, use me to be a vessel. Use me to help share the hope of the gospel. Lord, use me today to be able to, to convey the truth that Jesus is still King. And church, may I invite you that just, just, to, just to come to Him today if you're, if you're going through a time of great fear and put your, your fear on the altar and play, replace it with faith. Say, God, I want to trust you. But maybe this morning you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Let me tell you, I would be scared. Without Christ, there's no reason to have hope. And so this morning we offer for you to you hope, hope and eternal life.